for you. Yeah, yo. There whenever it matters, and even more when you feel like it doesn't. Protect you so you never feel like you wasn't. No, I'm right alongside you. Here but that, I'm behind you, but always got you. End of discussion. Nothing means more. First one to offer his shoulders for what you preach for. Thought I saw the eyes of the world until I seen yours. And know that I ain't see a better view yet. I'm with whatever, so don't ever you fret. Know that you covered. Not a hurdle or a heartbreak to change what a partake. Cause none of them won't ever get comfortable in your walkway. My job is to aware you. Fully loaded. Prepare you for all of the above that I'm never letting get near you. But still, I know, give you every advantage I found. Couldn't find a better fit for them along with my crown. And since the baton was passed, I've been down. Cause feeling's not an option, and dad is not a noun, not at all. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Ishmael from Dad Is Not A Noun. What's going on? I hope everyone's doing well. You know, if you love what I uh, bring to the table, like, subscribe, and share the platform because I do it because I love what I do. And the reason why I love what I do is that I get to talk to interested people all the time. And I have this brother on right now. He's an extraordinary artist. Oh. I found out about him on Twitter. I'm like, yo, what is this dope artwork? <laughs> and so I hit him up on uh, IG. Um, I said, yo, would you be uh, willing to um, go on the podcast? He's like, I'm down. So I want to introduce this brother right here. His name is Gene Gray. What's, What's up, man? brother? How you doing, man? What's happening with you, King? What's good? I'm good, man. Thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate you. And that's the one thing I say, man. Time is our greatest commodity. And you spending your commodity, your time with me for a few minutes, I appreciate you, man. How you doing, bro? It's my pleasure, King. Shit. Blessed, black, and highly favored, my brother. I can't even hold you. Life is good. All right. So, <laughs> man. Um, this image I have right now is a part of this new collection that's dropping tomorrow called Gold Standard. Mm -hmm. You got the legendary Lionel, uh, uh, uh God, Lil oh, Richard, Lil Richard, Lil Richard. Lil Richard. Lil Richard. Thank you, thank you, brother. Um, Black Twitter is gonna come after me. They got iconic little Richard here, rocking the grill. Mm -hmm. Tell me about this new line that you're dropping when you have different iconic Black um, historical figures rocking the grill. Talk about that. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so essentially, like I said, um, for anyone who like who knows me knows that um, Miami played a very, very, very big pivotal part in my upbringing because um, I was originally born in Chicago, but you know I moved to Miami when I was like like 14, 15 years old, and was like kind of like been there like for the most part like ever since. Uh, well, moved around a lot, but that was my first place of stability was in Miami, and uh, that was just essentially just like I said, just part of our culture, uh, part of um, what we considered to be how. The people who we looked up to or who had some type of a status typically like wore those type of things and there's always been the kind of a negative connotation behind that uh behind what grills or gold teeth mean that they say you're thuggish and ghetto and like all right that's what you say but for where i come from like for, you know from what i understand how we know it's not that to me it represents uh it, it represents a status it represents like a abundance it represents like this wealth um you could say gaudy maybe but it's just it's, it's flamboyant it's out there and um it's just a very pivotal part of this miami culture and you just can't think of miami and or south florida and florida in general and not bring that up that's just the part like i said just how on how we kind of give it up 
So um, I just wanted to change the narrative behind that and versus people just kind of like shitting on it. No, like this is black culture, like, this is our culture. This is what the fuck we do. And I need y'all to respect that. So, and if y'all don't respect it, then my people will. And that's all that matters to me anyway. So that's why I just kind of felt it was important for me to to use the gold teeth as almost as if it was a catalyst for like, okay, you've done your due diligence, whatever your, what your craft is, it's almost as if you're being bestowed upon them. So that's how I was just paying homage to my personal favorite legends. And that's also, and can you kind of tell me about the decision of picking certain um, yep. historical black figures in this, in this, um, Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, the the there's ten. Um, you know, um, I for some odd reason I feel like ten is a very like powerful, just round, just official number because you do like nine or eleven, but he's like, yeah. like you know what I'm saying? But like, if it, <laughs> if he's gonna listen with ten. You feel me? So, but uh, I picked um uh little Richard because um I was always a fan of um, his interviews. I love the way how we are. Uh, he was legit just unapologetically like himself at all times. You want to talk about, like I said, like bravado and just like, just owning who the fuck you are. To me, that's just iconic within itself. And then not to mention like, you know, he birthed a lot of what, to me, a forefather of rock and roll what we know today is anyway. Without him, you're not having any of the legends that we have today. So just his role in music, um, how he owned and embraced himself. He was very just like almost like fluid with his sexuality. Like you couldn't tell if he was gay. He was just like just him. And he didn't care what niggas thought. He didn't care what the police said. No, like he was who he was. So I I always respected that. You know what I'm saying? From everything from like the mascara down to his, the way he played his music. He's just I respect and honor it. Um Prince, um, obviously because um to me, he pretty much brought the forefront of how record labels are like, could be considered the quote unquote devil. To me, he kind of, like I said, catapulted that whole, hey, listen, don't be a slave to these labels. You don't have to sign to nobody. Because to me, in my in Gene Gray's mind, he was the first one to push that whole independent movement amongst yeah. music and pretty much changed the industry stand of how that looks like and who kind of like facilitated the whole movement away from being to a lab, uh, to a major to at least shout the independent. Um, and I just think he's he's just such he's just such a fucking to me like he's such, he's such a gangster to me bro like he, he's he's just he just he was just ahead of his time he was five two nothing but could take anyone's life if he chose to you know what I'm saying it's just like and not saying he should do that though but still just <laughs> that, that amount of confidence is what I, is why I was really like I said that you know um, a fan of and not to mention he made dope as music um, and then well fast um, why did you choose Whitney Houston what made uh, Whitney Houston and um, significant into this collection because I, I think it's well, important to eliminate that stereotype about girls and women mm-hmm. because you know if you go to history you know you see a lot of women like back in those days if you go back to the Egyptian days or um, BC a lot mm-hmm. of females had a version a version of grills so can you kind of talk about like why you chose Whitney like why Whitney Houston. Uh, well, like I, like I told you, for like I, whatever, whatever reason I chose it was, it was, it was a good one because she's definitely the most I get the most inquiries about out of everybody else. But uh, with Whitney, it's just real. Um, personally, I felt when it comes to just vocals and when it comes to, so like I said, just uh, 
singing capability, I feel as though she's unmatched personally. That's just a personal opinion of mine, but it's also outside of music. Her impact on black culture in general, you know what I'm saying? Her with the whole Bobby Brown thing, what whatever you want to call it, it is what it is. It's, it's a part of it's a part of her legend and part of her history. And um just her contribution, just the black culture in general, you know what I mean? And just that photo that I came up, first off, what people don't know is that wasn't even like the the that wasn't even the original photo of her, actually. It wasn't. Wow. That, was, that almost didn't come to pass. Really? I had a, a, another image of her that I was going to use, but I was, uh, I, sh I showed my dog, um, Carnell, mm -hmm. um, you know, back home in Miami. He was like, this is dope, but what if you use this one instead? And he sent that to me. And when I saw it, she just looked so just like just pure. And like when you talk about like prime, someone's like prime. Right. Without, even the way this, the way she had her hand up on it, she looked so elegant and just almost like just perfect. I'm like, this is the one. But I just chose Whitney because again, when it just comes to black culture, when it comes just to like, you know, this specific moments in time, like everything from like the Academy or like the, like the award ceremonies and her wilding with Barbie and just I, Barbie with, with Bobby and uh, just her contributions to music. I can't, I can't do that and mention that without having her included in it. So. She had to. She had to make that cut. Oh man! Is and the who's like the one that kind of stuck out for you the most out of the ten? Like which one you like that kind of resonates you with the most? Um, I think the Whitney one was the, was the most. Um, I got. A, I think I got emotional, but I I, I started feeling the way because again, I was I listened to everyone's music as I was making it, and um. I was just listening to Whitney when I when I made that piece, and uh, for some odd reason, I thought about the night she died. She died because, oh my God, she died the night before the Grammys, and um, so wow, yeah. So she died the night before, and today, and, tonight, and today is the actual Grammys today. That's crazy, and uh, I just put that together in my head just now, and I just, remember, I just remember just like how how emotional I was when she did pass. So I just kind of like started getting my feelings a little bit when I was making that piece, and she just looked so beautiful. Just in that particular photo, and uh, just the that those gold teeth to me added to that. Yeah, because it, it just adds to that mystique of Whitney Houston. Because that's the one thing is that we really don't know too much about behind the scenes. We just saw like you know her her on on our TV screen. You know, mm -hmm. you know she you know she had a lineage of uh, family when it comes to music. Uh, when it comes to music, you know. Mm -hmm. But you know, later after you die, she died. You hear hear more stories about her. That's but, usually how it is. When you ask people pass, you don't find out these things till later on. So yeah, it is. Yeah. She, she had like more of a, a mystique to her, which kind of I think resonate with everybody, especially when she sang the national anthem at the Super Bowl. That just you know add another um, a level to her story. Yeah, one hundred percent, and. Um... I was like I said, just trying, like I said, just pay homage to that, you know, in my in in Miami fashion and in my own artistic fashion because um I was really particular about you know people's lighting and you know the shading and the contrast and like how you had small beams of light coming in from certain angles. I was just trying to be really as meticulous as I could about it, but also kind of keep it as natural as possible. So um you know uh, it, it came out beautiful. Um, I can't wait for the people to get their hands on it. You know, for those thirty-one lucky individuals. So we'll see what happens. That's dope, man. And so, is it? It's just going to be like a limited edition. Yeah, it's going to be limited. So um, <clears throat> I made, I made, I made thirty-one of each. 
Mm. One of each. And um, I uh, I wanted to do, make sure I, it, it was special. So what I did was I just, you know, I put a little bit of bread up and um, I printed them out on a pot, like a, like a polyester with like a mattish kind of a finish right. on a 24 by 36s, which is actually like that exact size back there, but just, you know, vertically. Um, and cause I wanted to, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sign them, I'm gonna number them because um, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, like I said, just uh, just just have it out in its abundance like that. Cause to me, like those are special pieces. And um, again, like you know, I gave I gave out a couple, like I said, of, of, of like digital copies, just to, like to like show love of people who just kind of have really pressed up and kind of wanted them. But like for something like this, because again, I don't, I don't want these to be in like a constant rotation. Like if people want, because again, as you as you may know. People been buying my shit all week, coffee mugs, pillows, shirts, and hoodies and shit. Like, all right, cool. Like, I get it. But the authentic pieces, I only want those to be, like, really, really limited. And I chose 31 because um, I'm 31. Mm-hmm. And it took me legit 31 years to get to this particular spot. So I felt it was only right, to, like I said, to honor my rotations around the sun to make it happen. And that's the dope thing about it is that you met, you add this intimate value to it. And the power of having your signature on it mm-hmm. makes it more of a, not sincere, that's just not the word I'm looking for, but make it more of an intimate 100%. portrait with your signature. 100%. Uh, you know, because you know, when, you, when you get that, uh, that, uh, that GG initials and on the, on the, cause I, all my page, all my pieces have that, have that grayscale piece. And um, I just wanted to, I just kind of want to let it know that it's, it's literally, like I said, from me, like to you. And I wanted to be in a specific type of, a, of material because I want it to be to last the test of time. I wanted to be, like I said, to last far after I'm gone. And, you know, like if, if someone likes it that much enough and, you know, they can pass it down to their kids or just keep it in, into their house or whatever. Just, I wanted to be immortalized for the most part. And not even for selfish reasons. It's just that um, I just wanted to at least leave a legacy of like, hey, listen, this is a cat who just, Found something he was good at, stayed with it, and he made a, and he made an impact on somebody's life. You know what I'm saying? And if I could, like I said, go out with that type of a legacy, I did what I was supposed to do. Facts, man. And then also, can you kind of talk about that? You know, you talk about your signature. What's the significance of the skull? What's the uh, significance of the grayscale? Yeah, what's grayscale? So, uh, yeah, now you're good. It's a transition. You know, uh, like because uh, to me it's almost like a duality thing. Because no matter how you put it, there's there's different, there's really like different stretches of it. You know, you can't have too much, too many bright days. You can have too many dark days. You know what I'm saying you're gonna have to go through those days of gray. And uh, that's again, it, it kind of like that concept helped me come up with my name to begin with. Because most people think my name came from uh, Gene Gray from X Men. It's not. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not. Um, I I made that name up because. Um, I felt, I feel currently, and I always will feel, as everyone has a creative side to them. Literally, if you were, if you have a pulse, you are a creative, whether you want to admit it, admit it or not. It's just a, what particular is your medium you have to discover. So everyone has a creative gene in them, and I went with gray because I feel as though like the world is obviously you know very black and white at that grayscale, but true creatives always find the beauty in those gray areas. So gene. That's so true, true, man. And that's so deep, man. But um, I have this image up. I don't know if you can see. That mm-hmm. caught my eye was mm-hmm. this image of Malcolm X and, and the Black Panther character. Can you kind of talk about that? Because this looks like a real it photo. Like they actually took a photo with each other. Right, but can so you talk about that? 
Yeah, so um, this piece to me was, um, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Malcolm fan. Obviously, you know, I, I haven't had it on me and everything, but um, I always felt as though that um, Malcolm had, uh, <laughs> Malcolm to me, uh, he was a, he was a, a pivotal uh, person in my life because he represented change in my opinion. He represented, like I said, you know, he started off the Detroit Red, you know, this, this nigga was pimping white women and just wilding out as a, as a youngster, yeah. but ended up coming into this complete icon that we know and love today. But I put him with Black Panther because, uh, or with the child, because I've always felt as though in my mind that um, I view Black Panther as somebody who embodies, you know, small pit bits and pieces of Malcolm in certain areas, but also small elements of, you know, MLK with one piece, you know what I'm saying? But I always felt as though like, T'Challa transcends time and would always carry out the will of Malcolm X. So in this particular image, I want to give it the, the type of a vibe that he was summoned by Malcolm to carry out specific things for, you know, like specific orders or a specific task or a specific mission. And I always felt like Black Panther would be the one to like carry that out. Um, and also, like I said, the Black Panther, Black Panther Party, kind of a double entendre-ish thing, I guess, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but essentially, essentially just T'Challa carrying out the will of Malcolm and uh, the people in the background, uh, which is again, to me, stood out. And even as I'm looking at it now, I see, I, I always seem to pull something different from my own piece of art. If you look at the black man behind them, behind Malcolm, yes, it's almost like a, like a wow, like this is like really happening in real life. And then you have like the white man behind the uh, Black Panther, like, ah, these niggas are again, like, we just can't. Get <laughs> so you have one brother who's looking inspired and another white man is looking like, damn, like another black man is trying to become something greater. We can't keep him down though because he's he's witnessing these two iconic, mythical, just idealistic black individuals in front of him in real time, and just you know he's he's affected by that. So I just thought that was a real powerful image. No, and it's a dope piece, man, because I think the one thing that both both um, are so similar is mm -hmm. the level of em empathy. For, for people that they, for anyone that they come across, mm -hmm. you know, the willing to listen and put yourself in that person's shoes. Not a lot of people have that gift and they have that gift. They do. They do 100%. And, um, and just in general, just even if you want to break it down on a more just basic level, they just, they, they're just two individuals that, that play a huge role into, into black culture in general that we just can't deal without. Yeah, man. And I'm like, I'm on your website right now and I'm looking at like um, all this dope art, but can you kind of talk about your early days? Like when you, you know, started in the beginning, can mm -hmm. you kind of talk about that? Yeah, man. It's just, um, so in the early stages, like I said, I was, I, I started off doing uh, album album covers or album artwork. Um, I used to follow this, well, I, I, used, I still do. I follow this um, specific artist named Patso. And um, he would just do this thing where he would just take current albums and make them look like vintage, like jazz covers. And at the time of 2017, that was like the dopest thing in the world to me. So I just, I would just, like I said, start off doing that. But then once I've kind of mastered the, mastered the aesthetics of album art, I wanted to go into something a little bit more deeper and just make something with actual like legit meaning. So then I started doing, like I said, just what I call um, personal pieces, which is this piece that I just wanted just to, you know, Stand the test of time and like you know send a message or bring awareness to them. So that that was how that transition happened. 
But I know, like, I know we were talking before, like, in the early days when you were working, you were like, oh, my work's trash. Oh, how, did you, how did you build that confidence and kept on working? Because usually some people, they were like, you know what, I give up. I'm going to do something yeah, else. I, I wanted to give up my first month because again, I, I, I couldn't understand. Cause I, I'm, a, I'm a Photoshop guy. So I couldn't understand what the buttons and the meetings and the blends and all this other extra shit. I, I didn't, I just didn't understand. It was overwhelming because Photoshop is a big ass program. It's a little bit on the more complex side. And I didn't go to school for art. I didn't, I don't, I don't know anything about Martin. I don't know anything about color schemes. I don't know anything about any of that. I just, just figured out. I just put out what I think is that looks, that looks right. But I wanted to give up because I didn't, I didn't know how to maneuver the system. I didn't know how to maneuver the software, but I told myself I would just put two hours every day after work into this and just live with the results, and my shit was shredded ass, bro. Like, was so, <laughs> like I told you in pre dog, yeah. if I were to put out what I what my first few pieces were, fam, not only would I lose all my followers, bro, but I would probably want to get people who want refunds from all my work. Too. <laughs> I was horrible, but I just stayed with it, you know what I'm saying, and just and, and hopefully I can show what consistency looks like. So I just stayed with it, fam. So what was that piece? you made that first piece you made when you're like you know what this is what i want to do i'm going to stick with it shit wow that's a good idea. i'm gonna go with that one uh <laughs> the first piece that i made that i knew that i was gonna be that i'm i'm really pretty to do this it wasn't until um it wasn't until 29 it wasn't until two years later in 2019 uh because i started in 2017 so it was when nipsey passed away wow and uh, I made a, a, a Nipsey piece, and that was the first time I ever knew what viral even what viral even meant. Um, I needed. I just made a, a. It was it was a simplistic piece though, but it was a it was a purposeful piece. And it was at that moment, like you know what, I think I might be onto something. I think you know I might have found what my purpose is to do because what I was noticing not only did it come out aesthetically beautiful, but I was noticing how it made people like feel. And when I found out that you, when you can make something that can make someone feel a way that can actually like gank on some type of an emotion, even if it's like negative, all oh, this, this is horrible, you're still doing your job as a creative or as an artist specifically because you're making someone think and you're making something someone feel something. And when I put that Nipsey piece out and the type of response that I was getting behind it, that's how I knew like, okay, like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So. And yeah. this, this piece right here is like is getting me very emo emotional. And this is mm -hmm. a piece entitled "A Sight for Sore Eyes." I'm gonna read um, a little bit. Please, it, is it is it is believed that the future can't be changed unless the past and the present are acknowledged. Regardless of its trauma trauma nature, the mm -hmm. youth today are witnessing the horrors of American history repeat itself. As hope of true equality appeared to remain dormant, the cries, the chains are silenced by the consistence of reign of systematic. systematic. Yeah. And the image of this child and the noose through the through the eyes, it, it just depicts a, a scary movie. <laughs> you kind of talk about the concept of this piece because this right here is like, you, you when you see it your draw drops because mm -hmm. again it goes to a lot of um a history a lot of black youth they you know they come up through childhood trauma and it's 
a part of their adulthood and they don't know how to um cope with it right and so can you talk about the significance of that uh absolutely man because um i do believe a lot of children are like i said progress of their environment you know a lot of people go through trauma at early ages um i personally think we've all been through trauma in our own respective way but um with this particular piece i just kind of wanted to at least just, just at least just kind of like shed light on what it must be like for a child even like i said in today's generation to 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 see injustice happen or to see these things happen but his mouth his mouth is like he has no mouth or no voice because even if you do decide to speak on these things you're constantly overlooked you know what i'm saying so i again i just try to like like try to make a play off that off that phrase you know what i'm saying by you know by even speaking on something of what you see you're still fucked because again it's either gonna go unchecked or they're gonna like i said try like i said to deter you from it or they're gonna try like to to minimize what you've experienced or what you've been through and um that is a horrible, that must be a horrible thing for a child just to be able to see these horrible things and can't even someone speak on it. You know what I mean? Because if you do speak on it, again, to be to feel silenced by speaking on what you what you deem is traumatic, by you see you, you clearly see injustice happening in, in real time, but if you speak on it, it's gonna be it's gonna be minimalized. It's, like, it's, it's, it's not like that. Gaslighting for the most part, you know what I'm saying? And I feel as though like that's something that to me is what I'm the older than I'm getting actually, I'm starting to realize what gaslighting really is. That's the most wow, this in real time as I'm speaking it out. That's one of the most harshest things you could do this to anybody is just to make them misfeel as though what they're feeling isn't valid. Um that 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 to me that just kind of cuts deep. I'd rather you just beat my ass every single day than make me feel as though I'm crazy or I'm tripping yeah. about something, feeling the way about something. So, no, you're you're absolutely right, because it goes back to you know, when COVID hit, right? And then you had what happened to George Floyd. Mm -hmm. People don't realize the traumatic effect that ha this ha it has on kids. Because every kid has his phone. So yeah. they saw that image. Mm -hmm. And act like they didn't see As parents, you think they didn't see it. They have phones. They have social media. So they saw it. They did. They did. They saw it up in real time. And, and it's just... And like I said, it's, it's just to my point from earlier, it's just like there's there's nothing worse than you speaking about something that you feel is wrong and you have other people saying that it's not that bad or you're making too big of a deal out of it. He just sort of conformed. It wouldn't happen like that. Hey, you just comply. Nigga, hey, you just, nigga, someone just died in front of you. Like, what the fuck? What, what you mean, my nigga? Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I think that I want to, with this particular piece, like, just to explain, like, what, how, how, traumatic that is within itself is just to be like a, just to feel like you have no voice whatsoever so and then one more piece that caught yeah. my eye too mm -hmm. is the one i have a nightmare mm -hmm. talk about this piece man this right here like dude this is like I'm speechless. <laughs> okay. so, uh, what, happened, what happened was, is, um, so this is obviously clearly right around the time when uh, when Floyd uh, jo uh, George Floyd uh, was killed, not passed away, he was killed. Um, I was listening to uh, to 444 album, and that's kind of where that you know the the character comes from, and. Um, I just again, I'm, I'm, I just, I like to make things make sense in my head. 
that 444 album was, in my opinion, the most like, for its time was the most pivotal, just like kind of like, okay, like black empowerment, black business is black empowerment. You know what I'm saying? We're finally, like I said, starting to get our bearings a little bit, right? Finally, we're finally starting to kind of get into, even though it came out like three or four years ago, whatever, the revenances of it still was passing over to this day. I, there was a huge momentum, just like I said, black owned businesses by black. You know what I'm saying? What's more important than spending money at the strip club? Crit, like niggas, I, we finally starting not to like get it. And then this, this bullshit happens, right? Bullshit happens with George Floyd. And to me, with this one, I just wanted to symbolize this. It's like whenever like we actually as a people finally start to get bearings and starting to finally understand that, hey, like, listen, like, this is what empowerment looks like. This is what, how we come together as a people to make our like American experience better. It's always something where right when we're almost at our peak or right towards it, some bullshit happens. And then that's when the whole George Floyd thing hit. And um, when I was thinking about the I Have a Dream speech, it's just like, you know, King was speaking about, you know, what he what he, what he dreamed or what he wanted to happen. And um, in a blink of an eye, you know, a police officer, like I said, just shattered that. And it only took him however many minutes that man's neck, uh, knee was on that man's neck and um, He's looking up at this pig is looking up at Trump for uh, for confirmation because he's a boy in blue. That's why the body is blue. And if you notice, he has a real muscular type of a frame, right? Because he had because he feels like a man. George Floyd was a big. That was a, that was a, that was he was he was he, Texas built. You know what I'm saying? He had that built to him. Yeah. Capo did it. You know he didn't he didn't look athletic. He didn't look like he was an athlete. He didn't look like he he could have did that by himself. He had to get George when he was like down and tied up. So he felt like this big man. He felt like he was like this big buff, brawlic ass nigga who just take down. What you mean? So, and he's a boy in blue and he's a pig, but he's looking up at Trump almost as if he's looking for some type of a confirmation, some type of a, I did it. Yeah. And nothing was gone. You know what I mean? And even though Trump's not saying anything, because he's still looking like, you know, like, I see what you did there. Yeah. And by him, and I just think by this, at the time, by this Trump not addressing it the way that I thought he should have pretty much by his silence for the most part I felt that spoke the most volumes so I just tried my best to kind of like embody all that into one specific image and it, you did man just to see the terror on on Dr. King's uh, um, face that mm-hmm. speaks volumes right there um, especially the title Nightmare you know and I think that's the one thing of Dr. King's legacy I think is that Personally, I don't think he wouldn't want that statue of him in D.C. Really? I felt, to me personally, I felt like, you know what, take that money and use it towards the poor people movement campaign. I got you. That's real. That's real. That's real. I I can see why you say that. Um, I think he he was like, he understood the climate of of that time, especially a, a couple of months before he got assassinated, you know, you know, his stance against the Vietnam War, he starly, solely saw the economic situation for all people and mm-hmm. was working on that. And because of that, he lost a lot of his um, support. He was like a man on his, uh, by, almost literally by himself before he got, uh, before he got assassinated. Yeah. And so, but yeah, man, it's, wow. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a speechless person, but this, 
speaks volume, man. This is a, a, a beautiful piece. I appreciate but this, this kind of tells the, the, the legacy of, of being black in America. I mean, that's just one element of it. But um, but while I, but while we actually on this subject, um, what I, need, what I think is important that I need to say is um, I look back at some. I'm, I'm keeping these pieces because again, these are moments in time. But I, I I was having a conversation with one of my with one of my my brothers, um, uh, uh, Carnell, and uh, I just and, and my dog Limitless too. And I, and I had this, I woke up one day, I said, fam, like, I think I'm almost kind of like not done making like this type of artwork. Because I do appreciate for, for what it is. I do appreciate, like I said, the, the sight for so eyes. I do appreciate the, I have a nightmare. I do appreciate those particular pieces. But now at this point in my art career, I'm personally making my business to kind of like shy away from making these type of images. And the reason why that is is because, um, I don't want to be known or I don't want to make it seem as though I'm perpetuating or just trying to define get into my bag behind black trauma. Because enough of that goes in every single day in Hollywood. You know, 12 Years a Slave, uh, Harry Tubman movie, or Django. Like, I, I, I don't, I'm really at a point where I don't think, I think I'm more creative enough to stray, stray away from that type of a thing now at this point. You know what I mean, it's one. I'm glad that I addressed it and I was able to tell the type of a story, but I do believe I have other things in me that's that's more um, appealing than just trying to find ways to perpetuate, not perpetuate, but just put more placement on black trauma. Because yes, we all, you and I both, we're black. We know what it's like. We understand it, and it's just like I don't want to keep on beating the dead horse. And I keep on bringing it up again. So what I've been doing recently is I've been trying to find more ways just to show black people in more in more pieces of power. And to be in more and more like prolific, you know, and a more prolific site, more so than just you know, trauma or overcoming some bullshit and struggle. So that's that's the promise I made to myself. I'm just gonna be making art. If I'm a, if I'm gonna do black art, it's gonna be black empowerment art. No more black trauma for me. And and uh, and, and that's the beauty of growing as an artist. You evolve. You know what yeah. I mean? You know, and that's the one thing too. It's like you know, you can constantly change the narrative. But the way you can change the narrative is creating different alternatives. You know, you can you can create, you know, that part, the trauma, but you can also talk about or write up or write about or or draw about the the positive. Like this one right here, which is dope. The native son. Mm -hmm. This is dope. Thank you, bro. Uh so that, that was like a, a, a surprise, uh, a surprise like little drop I did. I did this thing called like the 27 club or something like that. And it's pretty much took, you know, three iconic individuals who I, who I personally found iconic who all passed uh, at 27 years old. And um, I don't know, it's, it's just something about, like I said, this Native American culture, you know, I've always kind of been like fascinated with because um, through my little bits of research, I also found like the relationship between African-Americans and and, um, and Native Americans as well. So I just thought that was kind of a cool like duality part right there. But in all transparency, like Jimi Hendrix, you know, obviously he's my personal favorite guitarist of all time. And I just personally just like Kirk. Out of 27 Club, I was the biggest fan of Amy Winehouse and Kirk Cobain's music. So yeah. there was nothing too deep behind that. I just thought those were just three great talented images we lost way too early. Yeah, man. But all around, man, your work is magnificent. Um, like I said, um, I love the detail in your work. I love mm -hmm. how you you infuse vinyl covers 
with just just it's just it's just it's just dope. Yeah. <laughs> it is dope work, man. Um so what's the next step for you at, in your evol evolution as an artist? Um honestly speaking, it's just to just keep on making things that I think are cool. Uh, and actually that that's literally like in my bio. It says I make things I make things that I think are cool. Um I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying, like I said, just to 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 find the next big thing and make a hit off it. No, like, you know, I might not make nothing for another two months for all I know. But the point is though, for my career career is just to keep on experimenting, keep on, like I said, making work that I like. And uh, hopefully, like I said, but most importantly, inspiring other people on the way to tap into their creativity because um that's the whole reason why I'm doing what I'm doing, to be honest with you. Like I'm just look to let people know that, hey, listen. You don't have to go to school for this. You don't have to, like I said, have a fancy degree from some fancy ass art school. Does it help? Absolutely. But I think if you have if you have a passion and want to create something, just find your medium, fam. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. And you don't have to make digital art. You don't have to paint. You could you could be a podcast host. You could be a writer. You could be act. There's art in so many different forms and ways that is it is almost countless. It is pretty much countless. And I just like I said, I just want to perpetuate that and, and push that agenda forward with uh with black people. Like listen, we're all creative in our own right. But I just challenge you to find what your medium is and foster it. So that's dope, man. We're gonna end it with that, man. King, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Um where people can find you. You can find me at on my Twitter and my Instagram at underscore Gene Gray G E N E G R E Y. And if you want to cop some artwork, you're more than welcome to stop by my site, jeanegrayartwork.com. So, and we out. Peace. Peace, God. So for you. Yeah, yo, there whenever it matters and even more when you feel like it doesn't Protect you so you never feel like you wasn't Know I'm right alongside you, he but that I'm behind you But always got you, hinder discussion, nothing means more First one to offer his shoulders for what you preach for Thought I saw the eyes of the world until I seen yours And know that I ain't see a better view yet I'm with whatever, so don't ever you fret Know that you covered, not a hurdle or a heartbreak To change what a partake Cause none of them won't ever get comfortable in your walkway My job is to aware you, fully loaded, prepare you For all of the above that I'm never letting get near you But still in all, give you every advantage I found Couldn't find a better fit for them, along with my crown And since the baton was passed, I've been down Cause failing's not an option, and dad is not a noun, not at all my message to any dad, man, first off, know that, yeah, it, it is a hard job, but it's the greatest job in the world. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I wouldn't change anything about it. Everything you're doing from here on out, if it didn't have purpose before, now it has purpose. It's the most important thing you'll ever do. Just be a dad.